0: Everybody and welcome to another episode of Laws and Grace. I'm Laws. I'm Grace.
1: And today we're here with Kristen Piedra.
2: Welcome, Kristen. So Kristen is actually a really good friend of mine from years back. We kind of had a similar experience with Laws and I, where it was like we met early on in our education at BYU and then kind of like re met up a couple times in various life phases. And so I met you, I think we had a class together, actually. I think it was like a broadcast class together originally or something. And then. Yeah ended up working together at BYU Weekly and ended up working later together um, in the LDS church in the welfare department. And yeah, it's been fun. I I have a lot of respect for Kristen. I've always enjoyed um, our conversation. She's just a very thoughtful, um, opinionated, but like aware. Like, I don't know, you're very emotionally aware and very in tune with like your thoughts and your feelings. And I just, I've always enjoyed our conversation. So super excited to have you on the podcast today. Speaking of podcasts, actually, so you have your own podcast. Um, it's called is it The Mixed Podcast. Am I saying that right?
1: Yeah, it has a long name. I'll just tell you. That was one of the things when I started. I was like, this is a mouthful. But as you, <laughs> it was kind of, thank you, by the way, for all the sweet things you said about me. Um, but I'm like, oh, yes, I, I, I am sometimes too thoughtful about things. So when I named it, there, I wanted to be very specific about what it was about, but it turned into a mouthful. So it's mixed. Lessons in Multicultural Parenting is the name of the podcast.
2: That's a great name. Thank you. Great. Great. And the whole, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Like what, what do you, what topics do you cover? What have you learned?
1: So yeah. uh, Okay. Podcasting for me started um, because of our, our mutual degree in broadcast journalism. Um, I I found that I was missing using that skill set um, once I decided to stay home with my kids. So, after I had my daughter, um, my husband uh, needed to move for uh, dental residency. And honestly, we just moved to a tiny little town where there was not a single job that I wanted. And so I was like, well, you know, this seems like a good time to, because I, I always did have a goal to stay home with my kids. So I was like, this seems like a good time to stay home, um, but I was missing using that skill set. So I I figured out how to start a podcast and was honestly surprised that it was easier than I thought it was going to be. As far as just, I'm like, wow, almost anybody can just like post stuff. I mean, the literally, internet literally though. <laughs> you know, the internet's kind of already like that, but I, for some reason, podcasting seems so like out of reach, but it, it, you know, so I figured out how to do it. It was fun. Um, so for me, I, you know, my children, my husband is, um, from Ecuador. And, uh, so he's, he's Hispanic, but he moved to Seattle when he was two. So he grew up in the States. Um, anyway, once we you know, I didn't really think a lot about having, um, a biracial marriage or, uh, anything like that when, when we were dating or when we got married, it wasn't really something I thought about, but when we started having kids, I realized, oh, I don't know. I, I think I felt this like heavy responsibility fall on me where I said, I am not only am I parenting like children, but I'm parenting children, um, who are biracial and who, uh, are going to have life experiences that I won't be able to relate to um, because I just did not grow up as a person of color. And so for me, the podcast became um, a learning experience and became a way for me to kind of like work through my own thoughts. Um, and to learn more about how to talk about uh, racial issues. Um, And so it's really honestly been an experiment slash a personal journal, because I've never been someone who's been good at like physically writing a journal. I'd much rather just like talk it out. So uh, my podcast is, honestly, kind of just like a life journal for me, as well as uh, an opportunity for me to talk to other people who are in similar situations. So I've done several interviews with just um, other people who are biracial or people who are parenting biracial children, um, or who are in uh, biracial marriages. So like people that are just kind of in my same sphere that I can kind of talk to about their experiences. And um, honestly, some of my favorite interviews have been with some friends that I've had um, who I've never thought to sit and talk to them about their experiences, um, you know, growing up as a, a mixed person of color. Um, and just, I don't know, it's fun because it's, it's a lot more common now than it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, you know, in fact, you know, generation, well, millennials and then Gen Zs, um, you know, more and more of these children are, are mixed race. And it doesn't matter. Like, I don't ever want it to sound like because I'm like talking about it so much that it matters at all, like how we, you know, what our ethnicities are or whatever. But I just find that that experience is uniquely personal to each person. And um, I wanted to try to understand a little bit more about what my kids might be going through as they grew up. So that's kind of what my podcast is, is me just trying to educate myself um, by talking to other people and just because I enjoy talking to other people about their life. Um, And so I've gotten to have some really fun conversations with friends and um, strangers and uh, people that I've come to love. So that's kind of the story of my podcast. It comes and goes because I have three kids and so I'm busy, but, uh, but it's been a fun experience for sure.
2: I feel like I can relate to a lot of what you're saying about, like, just being able to, like, talk to people and hear their experiences. That was kind of, like, one of the reasons that Lord and I wanted to start this podcast was, like, we want to, like, hear other people's experiences that we wouldn't necessarily seek out, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, just bring in our friends, our family, and talk about different topics, like, raising, you know, biracial children, or adoption, or learning to sing opera, like, and just hear people's experiences, because it, like, it's, I don't know, it's really, invigorating so that's that's really cool Yeah. it has been really fun
0: to have a podcast and yeah people should realize that it is like such a low stakes thing like you can just yeah it is kind of just like publishing anything else on the internet you just publish it and it's out there people can listen if they want and if not
1: yeah <laughs> uh, what are some things I, you- oh I'm sorry, sorry go go, no you go ahead go ahead
2: I was gonna say what are some things as you've done your podcast so your podcast is focused mostly on racial issues, parenting, and just learning from different people's experiences, correct?
1: Yes, yeah. So
2: as you've had these conversations, what are some things you've learned?
1: You know, um, I'll never forget actually this moment that kind of changed some things for me. So when I first started, um, I was kind of talking you know, mostly I, about myself just to give people, I guess, an idea of like where I was coming from and talking a little bit about my husband's background. Um, and then I just kind of like, I guess, didn't really know where to go with it. So I was, I was kind of trying to almost find things that were bothering me, I guess. Um, and, and, I started to notice them more. Like, I don't want to say that they're not important or anything, but I was kind of noticing things that are bothering me. Like if I went to the store, you know, I had no idea, um, I just felt like there were limited options for, for instance, like girls dolls, you know, I was like, okay, here's a black doll. Here's a white doll. There's really nothing in between. And I was kind of just noticing, um, and more companies have been getting better about this. Like for sure, there's definitely, it's definitely gotten better, but there are still a lot of times where I feel like there's not enough diversity where somebody who may not uh, identify with one race or the other, doesn't really know where to fit. And I started watching, honestly, a lot of documentaries and a lot of TV that made me realize that a lot of, um, and I I want to, I don't speak for everybody on this matter. Like I said, it's like a deeply personal thing for every person, but there are, there is a pocket of people who grow up biracial who really struggle with it. They don't fit on either side of their family necessarily. Like, you know, <clears throat> if someone, for instance, you know, my kids, if they were to say, Hey, I don't, I don't really feel Hispanic, but I also don't really feel white. And, you know, I'm too Hispanic for the white kids, or I'm too white for the Hispanic kids. is just an example. Like I've had people express that to me that that's how they felt growing up. Um, so I don't know, I just learned, you know, I, I kind of was trying to think about, I don't know, there were things that were bothering me that my kids could not express to me yet because they were not old enough. So I realized that was really just me. It had nothing to do with my kids' experience. And so here I am publishing these podcast episodes, like not really knowing what I'm doing. And I got my first like really negative review, which kind of hit me really hard. And it was, um, on an episode I did actually about DNA testing, um, because as we know, that's like kind of been blowing up lately, you know, people want to test their DNA and they're getting, um, you know, figuring out their heritage or whatever, sometimes figuring out they have a secret sibling out there or something, you know, it's just, there's all kinds of stuff that's coming out of the woodwork, but, um, (laughs) yes, you know, whatever, um, I also like am obsessed with the the show Relative Race on BYU TV. I love it. It's the best thing on TV, I think. So anyway, I got my husband a DNA test. And um, so as an episode, I kind of talked about like you know, why it was important for him, what was going to, what he was hoping to find out, what he did find out. And, um, anyway, someone commented negatively about that episode, um, upset with how I was talking about it because I, I, I don't remember it word for word. It's still sitting on my reviews, but essentially he was upset because he felt like, um, I was, talking with a lot of white privilege because there are people in the country um especially uh black people who can't take those tests and and find out a whole lot if that makes sense because so anyway he and I really understood his point and I was like okay I need to educate myself because I I'm not necessarily thinking um there's a lot of things regarding discussing racial issues that I just don't know and I don't know how to approach it. And I don't um <clears throat> I don't want to say something that will, will make someone mad or just make me look dumb. Does that make sense? Like so anyway, I read some books. Um, you know, I had I had uh, I had some other good conversations with people. So honestly, what I've learned to get back to your question is that it's a process. And that there are a lot of things that people can do if they want to, to try to educate themselves about um, what it's like to be a person of color in America. Um, and that there's when you kind of start delving into the the research and reading other people's stories, I think one of the things that scared me the most was that i was I was always worried about screwing up, like or saying something wrong. Or um, not not being able to um, f- fix it, right? Like you know, there's a lot of white guilt. That's the word for it. Like I I really <laughs> I really got hit heavy with white guilt, and there's a place for that. And I think what I've learned is like that's a part of the journey, and you know you're gonna feel that, and um, there's a there's a little bit that you should feel that. Um, But also what I learned was like, just relax and like be okay and people are people because I have read some books um, that really, really want you to feel that white guilt really, really hard. And I think that it's important to go through that process, but like also realize that, you know, you don't have to be perfect at something to try to have the conversation. And I think it's important to just, just have the conversation and to be open and to be really purposeful about trying to have that conversation with people outside of your circle um uh, you know one thing i've talked a lot about on my podcast is that like i grew up in a <clears throat> in a boise idaho area and it is there's not a lot of diversity there there were like two black kids in my school and you know probably a good you know there are probably you know some other there are probably a good uh population of hispanic um people in the area but I didn't associate with them and like because I didn't purposefully try to or you know it just wasn't you know my parents didn't associate with it wasn't like a purposeful thing but at the same time I'm realizing like you need to spend more time trying to um get to know people who are different from you and talk to them and have the conversation and like you know you're not going to be perfect at it but educate yourself to try to be better that's mostly what I've learned is that I needed to educate myself and it's a, and it's a process and I'm still learning and I'm still trying to educate myself. Um, and you know, I've since moved to Texas where, uh, there's a lot more diversity and I'm still trying to make sure that I'm engaging with people who look different from me and it's still a process. And I, and I, but I'm enjoying every moment of it and just trying to be better your question
0: I mean we talk about this with this podcast we're like most of the people we have on are like women our age because that's who we're friends with right like for the most part and uh, it does it's like it does take real effort to diversify your um, just yeah I want associates the people that you you know and uh, spend time with it doesn't just happens super naturally because naturally you just end up around people that are your similar demographic whatever that demographic might be if it's age or you know
1: whatever or socioeconomic status or whatever and one easy way an easier way that I found to do it that I you know I got this idea from a friend of mine who's really good at doing this is just like if you like to read like really look at who With the authors that you're reading, and say, okay, I can diversify this, you know, because she does. My friend does this great job. She makes this pie chart every year that shows how many women authors, how many men authors, how many people of color, how many women of color. Um, You know, she just really like tries to, you know, get a piece of the pie to represent everyone. And so, if you can't, if you feel like it's hard, you know it's harder for you to go out and like physically meet people because sometimes I have a hard time with that I stay home with my kids I don't have a lot of like social time and when I do it's at church and like my you know churches really you know can use some diversity sometimes because it's it's our our the way our church is run is um divided by areas which sometimes can you know uh break up by socioeconomic status which is a whole nother conversation. Right. But that's just kind of the way it is right now. So sometimes you're just not able to easily socialize with people who are, um, different than you. So one way I found to do is just really switch up what you're reading and try to read something out of your comfort zone, you know, and think about what you're consuming, I guess. Yeah. That's
0: really great advice. Cause anyone can do that. You can yeah. seek out stories. I like, um, TikTok, you know, has a very specific algorithm um, where it shows you, uh, like, people that you don't follow. I'm explaining this for anyone who might not know what TikTok is, but it shows you people you don't follow, and so I should do this again, because it, you know, starts going back one way or another, but when I first got on TikTok, I was looking up, like, um, yeah, indigenous people, um, uh, people from the Middle East or whatever, because I was like, I don't want this just to default to um you know just like 30 year old white women but it it is interesting because I'm like I've realized that like almost everybody has a hashtag right like you know there's like Arabs of TikTok or whatever which seems kind of like cheesy but it's like you can pretty easily find people on social media that and everybody on social media is telling their story in some way and so um by like kind of navigating around that way I think even if I think the book thing is a great idea, but if anyone out there who doesn't read books and is a social media addict like me. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that a lot on my
1: Instagram too. Like um, there are a lot of great Instagram accounts. Like um, the conscious kid is a really good one um, where you just like, can be more aware of like, Oh my gosh, like, (laughs) you know, don't get so insular and realize You know, there are all these issues and I would like to be more educated on them. And yeah, social media is like also a great way to do that and to just follow people that have, you know, lives a little different than you. And they help you think about different things that, you know, you might start to care about and should care about.
0: Yeah. And there's so many kinds of diversity. Like you said, it's not just black and white, literally or figuratively. Um, Yeah. Following people with disabilities has helped me like think about the world differently, you know like I said, different ages, economic status, all these things. It just really does. You realize it doesn't take very much for people to be different. <laughs> I don't know if I want to say that, but like, it's like, sometimes it's little differences in people that you're like, whoa, this really is opening up my eyes. And then also like, yeah, trying to yeah. find people all over the world or whatever it might be.
2: I think it's, it's like so enriching to like, just observe and learn and hear different experiences and different perspectives like to me it just like I like that like I really enjoy like hearing different people's experiences and people that think differently than me and stuff and just taking it in and then like think about it like I will constantly think about it like I'm still thinking about our conversation we did with our podcast you know last week you know like it's just I don't know it's really cool I really appreciated um your thoughts on how like sometimes it can be hard to have the conversation because you don't want to do it wrong or you don't want to offend anyone. Like your intention is good, but there's so many like formalities of doing it right or making sure we're not offending. And just like, I I liked how you said, it's important to have the conversation and try with the intent to be respectful and to learn. And, you know, like I, cause I think that's where I struggle. Like I want to have the conversation sometimes, but I'm like, I don't want to do it wrong. So I'm just not going to, I'm going to let somebody else have the conversation and I'll just learn from it. (laughs) But I agree. Like there's, our families, our communities, our, you know, work environments, our church environments, like having those conversations, like it's important.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the book I tend to recommend to people to read in it. And I did do like a, I did like a book club uh, episode on it with my friend who had also read it is um, it's called, so you want to talk about race. And I, I love that book. Um, You know, it was kind of one of those things where I read it and it was a tough, it was hard. It was a really, really hard read, but I'm really glad that I read it and it taught me a lot of things. Um, And I don't know. So that's one I just recommend to anybody that is like, Wants to educate themselves a little bit on how to like be a better citizen of America. Like that's really what it comes down to. Is like, do you want you know just to be a better citizen and to be a better neighbor and a better community member? It's a good read and it really helped me um, start to figure out like, okay, how how do I talk about this? Um, I do think the book puts a lot of burden on people to like be perfect, and uh, that's the only thing I would say about the book. Is like, you're not going to be perfect at it you're gonna you're gonna screw up, you might get called a racist and the and the point I think one thing that that book taught me was don't get defensive if you someone calls you racist, just take it, think about you know what prompted that and change your behavior, okay, so I think that's one thing that I was like, okay, I you know that was one huge lesson I got. It's just like do not get defensive about that. let's just think about it. Um, And then another thing I learned was just to when you're talking to somebody, you know, uh, don't put the burden on them to educate you, you should do some of the education yourself so that they don't have to be the person who's always explaining to their white friend like x y and z right and but i also think this is really specific to every person because you know uh, we can't lump every person of color into a group and say well they don't like to talk to white people about this and you know everybody's specific everybody's different everybody will feel about it differently but i do think that the book kind of gives some good suggestions on on how to approach them those topics and so that I I would suggest that to, for everybody to read. It was just a good book.
0: That's another thing that I think is so great about reading books or going on social media. I'm like, those are people who are already sharing their stories, right? There are plenty of people who are, who are willing to talk about um, these issues, any issues, or to talk about their life or to talk about their experiences and so i think that's a good way that um people can do their own research it's like find the people who are already talking about it instead of like hassling people who maybe don't want to talk about it right because like there are enough people out there with all the social media and all the things there are people enough there are enough people out there who are sharing and educating i think um for to start right it's like yes (laughs) there's there's enough to get started for sure and then um and to kind of just yeah learn some things i'm like so many people are
2: talking about it. Yeah, I want to shift gears just a little bit, um, and and kind of focus now on the parenting of yes. you know biracial mixed race kids, um, and your experience with that. Because it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, you say like that was kind of the start of your experience to learn more right like when you started noticing this thing and and maybe it's not maybe it started before that but I'd love to hear more about your experience parenting and what you've learned as you've dealt with it it's in your home they're your kids it's your family I mean your husband like it's not just a topic out there in the world that you have to like learn so you can speak to it but it's your life
1: yeah so um <clears throat> so yeah again my personal experience with it is uh a and i and i talk about this on my podcast a lot too i have anxiety i've had anxiety my whole life it's something that like you know i feel like uh runs my life but at the same time also makes me like it's it's been a good thing in my life and, you know helps me be productive and a lot of other things um and i also overthink things so Having kids, I think I was like panicking, like, oh, you know, my children are going to be racially discriminated against and all they're gonna get all these questions and and like yes that does happen to people but I think freaking myself out about it before like my kids could even like sit up was just too much right so um I just was so worried about all of these things that I was scared was going to happen to them instead of thinking about like you know this is um you know, I wanted to empower them and I wasn't really sure how to do that. And at the same time, I think I was worried too much that I would need to empower them because they were biracial, right? Like, I think one thing I've learned on this journey too is like, my kids are just my kids. Like, they're not, you know, I think I was trying too hard to define them um, because I wanted to help them figure that out when I've realized like, no, like that's something they figure out on their own and they'll decide if, you know, if they want to define themselves, how they want to define themselves, whatever. Um, because I think talking to a lot of my friends that grew up biracial, they were just kind of like, "I'm just me," you know, like I have a, a white dad and I have a Filipino mom, and like, like I'm just me. Like I haven't thought a lot about it, and I I don't think it occurred to me <laughs> that someone could grow up and and be like, I haven't thought a lot about it, and I think everybody's different because there are some people who have thought a lot about it, and there's some people that aren't. So with my own kids, like uh, I've kind of tried harder to just like let them take the lead and to not let myself just jump in and say, so do you want to talk about why your skin is darker than mine? You know, like I felt like I was trying too hard to have the conversation because I wanted to let them know that I was there for them. And like, you know, I just realized I was like, no, I need to let them come to me. Um and I don't know. It's just been interesting. Uh to see the things that they do notice things that they don't notice. Um, And it's actually been really interesting for me and my husband as well, because so like, you know, he grew up, um, his parents are immigrants and, uh, but they, you know, it's like a whole huge story, but, you know, he didn't really grow up with a lot of um, like culture and uh, his parents were very, set on being Americans and I a hundred percent like respect that understand that I know exactly why they did what they did Uh, but they like kind of stripped him of all of his culture he didn't really grow up with like a love or appreciation of Ecuador and so for me and I think part of this is just me feeling like you know as a as a European mutt, white American it's kind of fun sometimes when you see people that have this rich, beautiful culture that is a little bit more than what we have as just Americans, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want to feel ungrateful, you know, for the country that I've been raised in, but, you know, I see people celebrating different holidays and like, that's kind of fun. I wish that, you know, I had more of a, a culture that, you know was part of my growing up and so seeing him not really connect to his culture at all I think was a little sad for me so I was like oh I want I want my kids to like feel like they can connect to Ecuador as much as we can give them you know me not being from there and him not really being raised in that culture um so I I was like I want them to be proud of who they are I want them to you know know that we will talk and go to Ecuador as much as they want if they feel like they want to be connected to that. But I have to also be okay with the fact that they may not want to. <laughs> and they may say, mom, I'm not interested in learning Spanish and I don't really like care right now. And, you know, I want to let them figure out their journey of, of you know, the two halves of them, however they want to, um, you know, but at the same time, trying to make them excited about who they are, right? So I think the things that have bothered or the things that, I don't know the right way to say it, that have bothered me the most about um, this journey I'm on is I I can take offense easily. And, you know, when you're a mother and you have these kids, I think naturally everyone is very defensive of to step in if they feel like someone is saying something that's you know inappropriate or whatever um and my my parents are always quick to point out that I take offense too easily but I've had to like really go through this process of like okay <clears throat> there are things that people have said um to me about my children that are not okay Um, but I have, I'm still trying to figure out the best way to handle it because I don't want to brush it under the rug because it goes back to, you know, the, the reading I've done and, you know, talking about microaggressions and things that can build up over a lifetime. Um, I would like to help educate people when I can, when it's like, Hey, that thing you said, like that's a microaggression and, you know, just please don't say things like that or whatever so for example um this is one that like was really hard for me um and I don't I don't I don't know if any of my family watches I don't want to throw anyone under the bus but um let's just say I was at a family gathering with um my sister's uh husband so my sister's I'll just say it. I was at my sister's wedding. I like don't know how to like beat around it. I was at my sister's wedding a few years ago. And this is the first time I had interacted with her husband's family. And they're all very sweet and lovely. And we're very grateful for them. Um, and I love my brother-in-law. He has nothing to do with this. But um, my daughter was the flower girl and she had bangs at the time. And, um, and she didn't have her glasses yet. And um, my sister's father-in-law and uh, her sister-in-law were calling her dora the explorer and i just like when i first heard it i kind of was like i don't know i was very offended and i was upset and at the time like i i it was having a hard time pinpointing exactly why i was so upset about it because i was like i know that they think she's cute and they think dora the explorer is really cute um and you know but i can't you know it's like you find the words later and i was like oh I wish I could have just been like, my daughter has a name, her name is London, her name is not Dora, and you know, she just, <laughs> I know she's very cute, but you can't just associate her with the only cute Hispanic girl with bangs that you know, and just decide that's her name now, right, you know, it's just like, she has a name, and I would appreciate if you used her name. Um and don't just call her that because she's a cute Latina girl with things. And, you know, it was just kind of those things. And they called her that the whole day. And I was just like, oh, i at my sister's wedding and I don't want to make a thing of it. But I like went home and cried. And, you know, my daughter has, she didn't care. She had no idea what's going on. She didn't know. Um, but I just kind of was like, if that had happened to her when she was older, I would like her to have the words to express like why that's not okay. And, you know, or maybe she will think it's fine. Maybe she will not like take offense. But um, it's just kind of things like that, that I'm like, I, I want to figure out how to navigate those better and help people understand why, you know, like, you know, it, it's hard to compare apples and oranges too. like, if I were to tell, you know, some person like, hey, you, you know, you look like Bart Simpson like how would you feel like if I called you Bart Simpson like you know I just feel like when it comes to people of color it's really hard to compare apples and oranges with people who are white if that makes sense so sometimes it's hard to like think of an example of like why it would be you know offensive to somebody who's not of color but you know and then I've had an effort I don't know why but it's like always with my daughter that things happen that make me like really upset so like this other thing that happened I'm like walking I'm, you know, I'm in Texas at this point. I'm walking down the road with my daughter in a stroller to go pick up my son from school. And this lady, she's like the weirdest thing. This lady who's like in her car waiting in the pickup line, like leans out her window and she yells at me. She goes, hey, hey, can I ask you a personal question? And I look at her and I'm like, first, my face is totally saying no, no but she doesn't wait for me to answer. I don't think I, I don't think, I don't think I said yes. I, I don't, anyway, she doesn't really wait for me to answer. She goes, did you adopt your daughter from China? And I just was like, Oh, you know, I like didn't even know what to say. And I just ignored her. And I just was shaking my head and I walked away and she was like, she was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I, I thought you were someone else or something. And I just was like, what in the actual freak lady? And there, and I was like, I wish I could have listed like all the things that were wrong with that question. Cause there's like a multi-level, like why a, you would never say that to someone, a, you know, a stranger or a friend, but it's just like, listen, you know, not to mention the fact that no, I didn't adopt her from China and she's not Chinese. Like, even if she was, why would you assume that I went and, adopted her from another country rather than like she could be she could have been born down the road at the hospital down the road you know from my own flesh because you have no idea like what my family looks like and you're making assumption about what my family looks like based on what I look like um so I think there are things like that that I'm like have bothered me um that people have said about my children and I'm trying to be better honestly um Because there, there are things like when I read and I, I read about microaggressions and I read about all these things that I, that are not okay. And, and, you know, I should be correcting people. I'm trying to reconcile that half of myself with the Christian half of myself, where I go to church and I, and I have this like real testimony of God and Christ and, and, and giving people grace. And, and realizing that, like, I have no idea what their life is like, I have no idea um, how they grew up, I don't know a dang thing about them. And instead of going to like my anger point, where I want to correct them on all of these things that um, are inappropriate, or whatever, you know, trying to tone down that part of myself and going to the part of myself that says, they're a child of God, the same as you are a child of God, the same as your child is a child of God, and just smile and say you know what I don't feel like talking about this or whatever it is like just give them grace and just say I don't think you're understanding what you're asking right now but instead of getting upset at you I'm just gonna go about my day and I hope you have a good day or whatever so like I'm trying to reconcile those two halves of myself because um, I've been that person that has put my foot in my mouth or said something really stupid and like gone home and like thought about it all day and regretted it and so I don't want to ever get overly upset with someone about something, um, without realizing that, like, I just don't know what's going on there. And if it's not a good place for me to like, uh, you know, redirect whatever it is that they're asking, then I just need to shake it off and not be upset about it. That's all. Yeah.
0: I think, I think that's a tricky thing about microaggressions i'm writing all these hr training videos right now is <laughs> microaggressions and the unconscious bias i'm like we've come up with these terms because a lot of people are not doing them maliciously right like if it was malicious it would just be aggression it would be bullying it would be whatever it might be but it's like we are unconsciously or you know yeah. microly <laughs> but it's like you know it's like that's why we've come up with these different terms for things because it is to indicate that a person is not doing it on purpose but i do yeah, think it's, not, it is a, it's not
1: malicious but it is hard because when you think about and this is not for me it's good to, to like i like to be educated on it and know what it is because while you may have said something very innocent And yes, like you said, not malicious at all. You have no idea how many different microaggressions that person has had to deal with that day, that year, that month, right? And you might have to take the brunt of their anger for everything that's happened that year. And that's like not fair to you, but it's also not fair to them. So it's like, you know, that's kind of the thing where I'm like, you know, you're right. It's like absolutely not malicious and I should shake it off because I do not deal with those things every day. And it's also,
0: no, but I'm agreeing with you that it's also- it is aggression is still in there. Right. Right. (laughs) So it's like, it still is something that, you know, the very least is annoying. Right. And it's like, I think whenever we can not do that. And that's why it's been really interesting to try and create like training videos or explain this to people where it's like, because I think people want things to be you're, you're good or bad, you're a good person or a bad person. It's like good people make mistakes all the time and that's why we all need to try and learn how to not do these things or see it from their perspective um like uh you know I try to think of an example that doesn't include people <laughs> <laughs> I know, but sure. like at one point I had um a guy friend grew his hair out and he's like somebody randomly came up to me and like wanted to touch my hair and I'm like And he like felt violated. I'm like, yeah, that's like a thing that people feel violated by. And some people with different hairstyles um, feel that like get that maybe every day, you know? And so it is like seeing that different perspective that when it happens to you, you're like, I didn't like that. And it's like, Yeah. yeah, this is some people's reality almost constantly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's easy to get, you know, you read this and you're like, Oh, you know, everyone feels so violated by that. And I think a lot of people do. And so sometimes it's hard for me to like, then remember, like, like, so for instance, my husband has been asked that. And he was like, yeah, sure, whatever, go ahead, you know, and I just like, you know, and I'm like, don't touch his hair. And he's like, I really don't care. (laughs) Like, you know, I think everyone's so individual, but it is good to go in with the mindset of like, there are some boundaries, like I need to real, you know, think about the boundaries or whatever. And, and I think my husband has joked often that he's like, he's like, Kristen, you care and are way more concerned with racial issues. than I am like, I am not educated on all this stuff, <laughs> And you know, and he's like, and I'm, you know, the person in this relationship that, you know, is the minority. And, and you, you think about this stuff way more than I do. Maybe you should stop thinking about it so much. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
0: But it's I think it's good because you know you don't know what you don't know so you're yeah. like doing your due diligence.
1: I feel more of a burden because I'm not the minority. I'm like that's why I have to know about this stuff because you know for you you're just like yeah whatever man like you know I I get to you know he's the minority so he he no one's gonna be <clears throat> checking up on him I guess is the question is the the thought as much as like I feel like someone might be looking at me when it comes to that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I do think. Um the like there is an interesting implication too where when people see you with your kids they think that they're adopted I've I've had other friends have experiences with that with their biracial kids where it's like they're you know they well, you want of,
1: credit for the thing you grew a man yeah. it's like a lot of work <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've had a well grace did you ever I think we've talked about her do you did you know Janet she's she's had a couple different last names I'm actually her her name is Janet Munoz now but um she was in our broadcasting program and she has to um she has well she has three kids um that are all biracial and and she made that comment to me before where she had people assume that you know they come up to her and they'd be like we adopted too, you know, like wanting, and she's like, I grew these boys and they came out of me and I want credit for them. You know, like that was always her joke. She's like, I don't want, you know, I need credit for all the work I did.
2: Yeah. It, that made me think of like, kind of the, what you were saying a few minutes ago, where it's like, they're not malicious. Like that person's not going up there, like trying to make you feel bad. Like they're trying to relate with you. They're trying to connect with you, but it's like, Just because it's not malicious doesn't mean harm or hurt can come from it. And I think that's where, like, to me, it's like, if there's hurt or harm that's taking place, like, let's talk about that. Right. You know, like, I know your intention wasn't to hurt, but the words hurt. And let me explain why it hurt, you know? And then it's like, and I mean, this is true with like relationships or anything in general. Like, I mean, it's a common thing. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel bad. And it's like, no, you didn't mean to. But the words you said made me feel bad. Like, you know, like, so let's talk about that rather than, but then also, like you said, having that grace of like, I know you didn't intend to hurt. I know your comment didn't mean to come off as offensive or whatever, but let's talk about why this hurts. And then let's come to a mutual understanding of like, that we love and we care for each other, but let's address this so that the hurt doesn't continue. Right. Like, and you don't continue to like,
1: Yeah. And I'd hate for you to say something similar to someone else who's going to snap on me. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the thing. It's like,
1: these are
0: actually relatively easy things to change. Like I'm, I'm always like, all you have to do is not do something right. Like all you have to do is like, not say something. And, um, it is like, once, you know, I don't know, I just think, I, I think some of these things are super easy switches. Like as soon as somebody tells you like hey don't um okay the first thing coming to mind is like don't ask a woman if she's pregnant right so it's like you just never do that even if she's like super super pregnant you just don't ask if she's pregnant you ask her how she's doing you ask about anything else and maybe it'll come up or whatever it's like once you like kind of give yourself those rules it's like an easier switch and so kind of like you were saying before like don't get offended if somebody says you're racist it's like if somebody calls you out for saying one of these things instead of getting defensive you can just say yeah you know what it's i can i can work on not saying that or asking those questions or um you know whatever it might be it's like they're relatively easy things to change
1: yeah you know i think that's the hard part is you know, when someone gets called a racist, suddenly they get defensive and then it's making it about them instead of about the person that they hurt. And I think naturally as people, we are all very self-centered and, and insular and and it's hard to try to think about what's going on with the other person. And, and And I get caught up in that all the time when I get upset about something random that happened to me, some person that made me upset. And it's really hard for me to stop and be like, I'm not going to make this about me right now. I'm going to think about, I hope they were having a really bad day or whatever, you know, like I need to be thinking about what's going on in their world for a second, because I've had, I've been that person that had a really bad day and did something really stupid, but yeah.
2: Well, anything else you want to add about just your experience being a, a parent in general Parenting. or your experience on your journey? Parenting is hard.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I don't know, kids, man, like, (sighs) it's just, there's so many things, right? When you become a parent, you, you realize that, I don't know, you get so much respect for your own parents that you thought you kind of started to get as you became an adult. But then once you start having to deal with the same situations they dealt with, you're like, oh my gosh, like, I wish that there was a way for kids to understand that their parents aren't perfect and to give them some grace too because like we're learning and you we screw our kids up and you're just going to screw them up like it's just going to happen and you just have to accept it and move on and try better the next day right every day I have to sit down and reset myself and say a prayer and be like I am going to try better tomorrow I know I'm still going to screw up but I'm going to try really hard and you know your kids like inherit things like like anxiety I've discovered is genetic and like my son has it and he I don't know if he'll have it the same way I did or like if it will manifest like a little bit different but like there are things your kids are going to inherit from you that you don't want them to inherit but it just is what it is and you got to help them navigate it and like parenting for me as an anxious person is like full of fear and the only thing that keeps me going every day. Honestly, it's like my relationship with God and, and my knowledge of uh, salvation and eternity. And, you know, the fact that there is something after this life, if I didn't have all this knowledge, honestly, like I would implode as a parent. Like, I don't know how people do it, to be honest with you, that like, don't, um, have that kind of knowledge that I have to like lean back on because like, it is scary To If you sit and think about all the things that kids are exposed to, all the things that you want to protect them from, and realizing that you can't, like you just simply cannot protect them from it. And the only thing you can do is help them figure out how to make good choices and to have a relationship with God and then set them out into the world and say, I'm going to try my best to just let you live your life now. And, you know, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And I think really, you know, I've learned actually a lot about parenting from my husband, even though like we're doing it at the same time. Like, I feel like he's light years ahead of me as far as like, um, you know, knowing how to not screw kids up and I, you know, and I think some of that is, uh, from his, his job and his training as like a pediatric dentist, he's around kids all day long and he deals with kids from all different backgrounds, all different lifestyles like everything and he is there with those kids for just like whatever it is like 10 minutes a day and he has to try to help them the best that he can um and i think it comes a lot from his childhood too the way he was raised like he just did not have a happy childhood and i took mine for granted and i think that you know he has a better understanding of of what kids need and so what i've learned most from him is that what kids need is, um, before anything else, before I get in there and I try to help them unravel, you know, <clears throat> their biracialness and, and their, their, just like, you know, whatever they're dealing with the school or, or what their likes and dislikes are, or whatever, before, like, I help them with any of that, before I label them, before I try to tell them anything else, the thing they need to understand the most is that they're a child of God, period. That's their identity. It's the most important thing. And after that, everything else is, is subtext, fluff, whatever. Um, and, you know, honestly, like there, I I wish, I don't want to misquote this, but like there was a talk um, by our, our prophet, President Nelson. Um, it was a talk or something that he said, I believe it was him. Um, where he was talking about, like there are so many labels today that people want to put on themselves, right? And um, you know, you can label your gender, you can label uh, how you identify your ethnicity, race, whatever. There's so many labels, but the most important label is that you're a child of God, and that's the same for everybody. And you know, that's, that's the first thing. That's the first thing that matters. And if there are some labels you want on top of that, great, but really you have to have that base first. Um, And once you give kids that base, once you help them realize their identity and their true nature and their true worth really is what it comes down to. You help them solidify their worth. Everything else becomes easier. Everything else, like the fear is kind of taken away. A lot of the anxiety is taken away. And you see them change. And, you know, this is something that my husband had an opportunity to uh, first semester teach seminary, you know, which for those who don't know what that is, it's essentially like church school, <laughs> kids that are in school, you get to spend an hour a day um, learning about <clears throat> the scriptures and about religion and about God and You know, he was there for only a semester before they asked him to do something else, but he's he, um, the first day he was teaching, he asked them, who are you? And these high schoolers, you know, had all these, you know, mostly like like, uh, self-deprecating things to say about themselves, right? No one said that they were a child of God. And so he kind of came down to it and he let them spin their wheels for a while. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. And finally he was like, you're a child of God. That's what it is. That's the end of the day. And he spent the whole semester making sure they knew that. And, you know, until one day they could finally say without feeling like it was cheesy, without feeling like it was silly that they could honestly say, I'm a child of God and you know watching how that changes someone's demeanor how it changes how someone feels about themselves is amazing and so like honestly the number one thing as a parent that I have learned that I think is important is just helping kids figure that out first give them that base that identity and everything else you figure out
0: yeah it's kind of the idea that it's like everybody inherently has worth right it's like You don't have to earn it, or, you know, just by nature of being a person, you are, you know, worthwhile. You're worth something. And I feel like it is interesting that you said that at first everybody was saying self deprecating things because it just seemed like a message that gets lost a lot for people that they, you don't have to do or be certain things. You can just like be yourself.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, I would say that's that's interesting, too, because you know, we've been spending the last hour talking about like uh, racial issues and parenting and all these things. And it's like I like what you said where it's like, yes, those themes are important. They're part of they're part of you. They're, you know, but those the value that is placed upon those labels are dependent upon what's culturally acceptable at the time. Like, do you know what I mean? Like twenty years yeah. ago, The identity of being biracial had a totally different meaning than it does today in terms of like acceptability, right? Like what's acceptable, what's like, and so it's like at the end of the day, like your identity as, as a human, as part of the human family, as a, as a child of God, like doesn't change based off of like, you know what I mean? Like your, that value is not changeable where like other people, depending on your culture or whatever is acceptable at the time, like those labels that you might have or the things that you identify with that worth changes by person to person, depending on how much value they put in it, right? Does that, am I making myself- Well, I I, think another
1: good way to put it is like, we all have different levels of privilege, right? And um, when we talk about privilege, white privilege, whatever, everybody has different levels of privilege as they move, as they move along the secular world, right, as they move around in the world, we all have different levels of privilege that, that just make our life existence different, but if you strip all that away and say, like, none of this matters, because this is what the world tells us, and this is what society tells us, and it doesn't make it not real, right, it doesn't make it not real, like, those experiences are real, but, like, in the great scheme of things, it doesn't matter, because, like, we're a child of god that's a fact it's an it's it, that's what you are and it puts you on the same plane as everyone else if you want to think about the big picture which i think is hard for a lot of people especially people who have lived lives without privilege and and they've had a lot of experiences where they're like you know life is not fair um and it's not it won't ever be but just strip it down to the big picture we're all children of God and that gives you infinite worth that will never go away. Yeah. You know, I don't know.
2: Yeah. I like them. Well, as we wrap up, what's one thing that you wish people knew?
1: Oh, one thing that I wish people knew, I don't know. I think it kind of goes back to what I'm trying to do every day that I mentioned a couple of times. It's like, just realize that like, um, you have no idea what it's going on in other people's lives. Like it's gets so easy. I struggle with all the time. Like I mentioned, like getting caught up in, in myself and my busyness and my anxiety and my, like, you know, and it's so easy to point fingers at everyone around you and say, this person hurt me this way. That person cut me on the freeway. Like this lady was so rude. Like I get caught up in that so much. And when I, I love when people share stories, like I had a friend who shared a story on um, social media recently where she was in like the carpool lane um, dropping off her kids and it was her first time and she took too long doing it and somebody was behind her honking at her and it and it and she got me it made her really mad anyway the next day the lady came up and to apo- uh, apologize to her and explain what was going on in her day and she's like it's not, you know, it's an explanation, not an excuse, but this is what my day was like, which is why I got short with you and I honked at you. And, you know, which then kind of, when she got honked at, like that changed her whole day and she had a really bad day. And so it just was, she's like, it was such a good reminder for me to be like, I have no idea what's going on in people's lives. I think sometimes it's so easy to think of people as like these 2D things that are just like around us that we have to interact with. And, you know, sometimes if you stop and think, sometimes I do this, I do this exercise where I like pick someone and I'm like trying to imagine if I was that person and it's like really mind bending, you know, cause it's so hard to imagine being someone other than you, but you're just like, wow, like they have a whole life that could like not even fit in my brain right now. And I don't know what's going on with them. And so I'm just going to, I'm not going to be perfect. And like, there are going to be, you know, things that, I need to say or whatever but like I'm gonna just try harder every day to just just be nice be kind right just to be kind (laughs) I struggle sometimes with just being kind and I'm trying to work at it and not jump down people's throats immediately if I'm having a hard day and something trips me up right because when you're a mom you have a lot of hard days (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you have to be nice at some point
1: <laughs> you gotta be kind of people because you're also around a lot of other people who are having hard days and like as a person with anxiety like being a stay-at-home mom is hard it's really hard because you know my I have a four-year-old I don't like to be messy I don't like to be dirty and I have a four-year-old right now who just like is a constant mess and like I like in my core, of course I love her to death, but like, it's hard for me to love her on the surface right now because I'm just like, I don't understand you. I don't understand why you want to make out with the dog every morning and have a nasty tongue all over your face or why you feel the need to like eat and just get it all over your clothes. Like just dumb stuff that doesn't matter. Dumb stuff that doesn't matter. But as a person with anxiety it's really hard for me to handle and to just be like, Yes. Like we're going to get through this and I'm going to give my own children grace. Gosh, dang it. Cause that's another thing, like giving my own children grace to just be themselves. That's something they don't really talk about, you know, in the non existent parenting class that everyone should take that, like, (laughs) you know, there are going to be things about your kids that you just, you got to let them be themselves. And it's easy to say that to let your kid be themselves. It's really easy to say it. It's another thing to live it and be like, I'm going to let go of this thing and just like, you know, but also try to make sure you stay healthy because that's important too. I
0: have, I have wondered about that. Like people with anxiety, people with phobias, how they have kids or, you know, anyone with like OCD or anything. I'm like, kids are like chaos in tiny yeah. bodies. It's really hard. They're ungovernable.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's uh you know, changed the amount of children I thought I would have. <laughs> we're like We're going to stop at three because I'm like... I- only so much my my that I can handle personally and and you know I wish I wish I felt like I could have more but I'm like I gotta you know I want to be the best mom that I can be and I'm worried I will be not the best mom I can be if I continue if I keep having kids that like cause me anxiety <laughs> so
0: yeah no I talked to somebody else about that recently she was like you know what one might have been fine and like yeah her whole life she wanted lots of kids and now she's like once the reality and like, COVID didn't help, or like having them home. You know, you might think like you have a kid and then they'll go to school and you'll have alone time or whatever it might be. But for lots of, in lots of different situations, that's not the case. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe less is more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's like everyone is different, right? We go back to like everybody has their own personality, their own life, their only thing they're living. And everybody can handle different things, and and not to judge other people for not doing what you're doing too is another thing you learn as a mom, because it's so easy to be like, "Well, I do X, Y, and Z," and this, you know, not judging other moms isn't is another thing I'm really passionate about, and and a journey that I've been on that you know is is I've loved working on, and you know, and I, I, you know, sometimes you can boil it down to two types of parenting, like the strict parenting and the more loose parenting and neither of them is wrong. And then there's a whole lot of in between. And I think that the parents that are really loosey-goosey need to like not be judgmental of the parents that are super strict and the strict parents can't be judgmental of the loose-goose parents. And Cause there's not a wrong way to parent. Like, are there some things that people go to jail for that they shouldn't do? Absolutely, yes. But there's like, you know, if you keep all that all out of the conversation, like there's not a wrong way to parent. You just love your kid. And we're all doing the best we can.
2: Good advice from Kristen right there. Yes. Love your kid, do your best. <laughs>